Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. How is everybody doing today? Good? A few quick things I want to recognize. My spiritual parents, Pastor Devin and Pastor Kathy, can we give them a hand this morning? The founding pastors of all of this and the vision the Lord gave them coming to fruition. Amen. Like we are the answer to years of prayers for these guys. And as well as Pastor John and Pastor Austin, who are awesome. That went together really well. But they are actually serving in our kids today because uh, we put our kids first. So, uh, so they're serving with the kids. So you're stuck with me. Look, I want, I want to give you a little bit of a heads up. I have a challenging word today. So, so some of them like they're kind of they're kind of fun. They're like, yeah, yeah, you know, I can do all things. And then there's sometimes that their scripture will hit you, and it hits you right here. But but when it hits you right here, it's not that it's it's not a um, condemning. It's a convicting word, right? It's a word that convicts us of being who God called us to be, not just individually, but as the body of Christ. So I'm just telling you ahead of time, I have some hard truths I want to share with you today, but I believe that they're going to convict us to ultimately be the body of Christ that he's called us to be. Amen? Amen. Lord, I thank you for today, Lord God. I thank you just for this word. Lord, move me out of the way and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is anybody having football withdrawals? Is that just me? Uh, the USFL just ain't cutting it for me. You know what I mean? Like, I know they got a whole New Orleans breakers, but they play in Alabama. Like, Alabama, right? The only thing worse would be if they're in Atlanta. Just saying. You know, we were, we were big football fans in my, my home growing up. My mom actually got me a, like a little dish that she put the pot on, trivet. I don't know, no, trivet, yeah, whatever it's called. But it says, uh, for me and my house, we say, who that? <laughs> and, uh, Something I always wanted to do was bring my mom to a football game. So I was like, you know what? I'll take my mom to a football game. I'm going to take her to a game against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. I was like, you know, the one that we could really get rowdy about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, because uh, my mom gets rowdy, y'all. I know she's, hey, mom, love you. I know she's watching online right now. But she gets, she gets rowdy in Home Depot. She gets rowdy in anywhere when she starts watching Saints games. And she just gets me riled up. So it's like, man, I'm just, she's going to talk trash to Atlanta Falcons fans. It's going to be great. And I went online and I, I booked tickets to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And then two hours later, I realized it was Mercedes-Benz Stadium, not Mercedes-Benz Superdome. A couple, a couple of people that said it. Okay, so Atlanta's dome was named the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Oh. New Orleans at that time was the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. I had booked tickets to go all the way to Atlanta. <laughs> I, it's not that I'm scared, but I ain't going to Atlanta unless I got my posse with me. You know what I mean? Like, because we could get rowdy about it. And I'm just not, I'm not, just not, me and my mama are going to sit in the middle of a bunch of Atlanta fans. <laughs> so it was like, it was, it was the name that confused me. The name of today's message is called Naming Rights. Naming Rights. 
the, the Lord's really been stirring this word in me for, for about a month or two. If you've hung out with me for any period of time longer than 17 minutes, then you've probably heard me begin to talk about this. And I want to address some of the things that are going on today. Uh, the Roe versus Wade, right? A lot, a lot of the, the political things that are happening right now. And I believe that the Lord has challenged us in this season to ultimately be exactly who he's made us to be. And I believe that this, that man, I just started reading in 1 James, in James 1, excuse me, and it just convicted my heart so much and revealed. I would have taught the whole chapter if I thought I had enough time, but I don't. So we're gonna start at verse 19. It says this. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourself doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. But if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become forgetful here, but an effectual doer of the word, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the word, by the world. Just, just hearing that scripture is almost convicting, right? Like, okay, Lord, that, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. You're calling me to a, to a standard in saying that. And it's really began to stir in me a few weeks ago. Uh, many of you know that, that uh, we, we have three kids. Our oldest, Emma, is 18. She's graduated from high school. She's actually on the camera today. And then, uh, yes. Our other daughter, Reagan, is actually on the computer. And she is, uh, she is going to be a sophomore in high school. And then we have our, our nine-year-old son. Yes, uh, Reagan's awesome. We love her. Uh, and then we have our nine-year-old son, Dax, who you all have probably met. Right? Dax is adopted. Uh, we, we, we celebrate, I think, our fifth year, third year, fifth year, somewhere in there, five years. We celebrated our fifth year of having finished his adoption just about, just over a month ago. And I, I, still, rem I still remember the whole, pro Pastor Devin, I remember that. You took me to lunch for my birthday one year and, and we're sitting down at lunch and, uh, and my wife and I, we really had our, our two girls at this time, and we had a word from God that we wouldn't birth any more children, but that we would have more children, but we we're children's pastors. Like, there was a hundred of them. I could pick any one of them on a Sunday morning, you know? And Pastor Devin says, I think y'all should think about adopting. I was like, Psh. Okay, dude. He's like, no, I, I think y'all are really good parents, and that, that this is something you should consider. I was like, all right, I'll pray about it. Y'all know that. I'll pray about it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so I go back to the office and Rachel's working at the office. I was like, you're never gonna, you're never gonna guess what Pastor Devin said. 
She said, what? I said, he thinks we should adopt. And she's like already crying as the words come out of my mouth. She's like, it's been on my heart. I just didn't know how to tell you. And I'm like, y'all are both crazy. (laughs) And the Lord so convicted me. He so convicted me. We went and got, uh, we went and got the private, the home study done. We went and we, we decided to go the foster care route and went through 18 hours of parental training agony. I don't think it's so much about the training. I think they try to just annoy you and see who has patience in the room, right? And that's how they gauge who they're going to actually give kids to. Because we're all going to screw it up. It's just who's more patient and how they're going to mess it up, right? And, and I, remember, I remember that day before we got him, I just said, Lord, this, it, it hurts so bad that I wanted, I wanted a son because I had three women in my life already. I didn't need another one. So, so I said, Lord, thank you. I said, Lord, uh, you, you, you either give me a kid or, or take this. You know, I, you know I, pff, come on, man. The next day we got a phone call for Dax. I remember, I remember when he got dropped off. It's really a, kind of a, an interesting situation because they really just drop off a kid and don't come back and get them, you know? And he came with like, three sets of clothes that didn't fit him, a car seat, and an empty suitcase. And by the way, I told him to keep the suitcase because he won't be needing that. But it took us three years. It took, it took us three years to finish his adoption. And, 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 you know, if you've ever been involved in the foster care system, you know it's hard, man. Like, it's some of the worst stories you will ever hear. I've been around a minute. I'm 42. I've been around just for a few minutes, right? But uh, I had three people shocked this week. I said, I was 42. like, what? One guy was like, you're my mom's age. <laughs> Thanks, bro. He's probably here right now. Where are you at? Uh, we'll talk after service. But uh, my neighbor guessed I was 30. I was like, I like that you just moved in here. But uh but you'll hear some of the worst of the worst stories of what happened to kids. And between just the, the celebration of what the Lord has done, even, even in the moments, this kid will wear me out, right? But even in those moments, like it's a celebration of what God has done. Not just, and it's really not about me, it's about him. And how many of y'all know a life serving Christ isn't about you, it's about someone else that you can be a reflection of Christ too. So, so through that, through, through that celebration that I have, through the understanding of what I know so many kids are going through, and then the Supreme Court comes out with the, the Roe versus Wade, and I don't think they've even voted on it yet, but it seems like it's going to be overturned. But church, I'm here to tell you something. We, we can, if we don't pay attention and have our hearts positioned right, we can hear and we can even see the Supreme Court overturn that and think that's a victory, but that's not the victory that the Lord's after. He's after so much more than just a law. I was, I was fishing with Joel DeSherry not that long ago and we were talking about like all kinds of just political things. He says, Nick, God's not after the law. He's after the hearts of man. God's not after changing the Supreme Court law. He's after the hearts of men and women that would no longer think that the only option they have is to murder their baby. 
He's, he's after a culture change. He's after a change of heart to where, you know what, it might be legal, but that line is empty because no one wants that because the body of Christ has heard the calling of the Lord and we have undefiled ministry that is to widows and orphans. And if you really think about that scripture and the, the widows, there weren't really single parents back then. I think we could group single mothers and single fathers into that group a little bit because, man, you ever seen a single mom at the grocery store? They need a nap. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a couple, man, they had three young kids, and they were still together. And I just saw that brother. That brother needed a nap, man. I can't imagine. My mom raised five kids by herself. She got married after I was out of the house. But I can't imagine what that must be like. You know, the Lord, the Lord told me this. Ooh, it hit me. He said, uh, I think a lot of people think that, that we war in the booth and we vote in the spirit as if if more of us ask for abortion to stop, that the law will be changed. But the Lord said it's more than that. No, 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 no. We vote in the booth and we war in the spirit. Right? There's, there's a lot of responsibilities on the back of an answered prayer. And I believe that in this moment, in this hour, as this decision is being overturned, it is time that the body of Christ really hears the calling of the Lord and says, you know what? We are going to be the ones responsible. We are going to be, the, you know, there was a community. I think Pastor Devin told Pastor John about this. There was a community where a church has actually taken over for the foster care system. There, there's a church that guarantees any child taken into state custody that will be adopted to that church. Oh, man. Oh, give, me, give us some of that, right? Give us some of that. Man, I, I just, whew. There's a, resp- a lot of responsibility on the back of an answered prayer. You know when the Lord sees a victory? It's, it's, it's not just that the baby's born. It, it, it's that the child isn't raised in a, a household where they don't know the Lord. There's actually a lot of people. I don't, I don't want to point them out because they may not want, to, want you to know. But I did ask one person, Caleb Fink. He's actually in the back. So I'm going to really brag on him for a minute because I fish with him all the time. He was upset because I caught a bigger fish last time we went. That's right. But the, uh, the victory the Lord's looking for is when Caleb worships. He was born, but in a bad situation. And the Lord put him in a household that knows the Lord. And the victory the Lord wants is when Caleb raises his hands. Yeah. Wayne, you brought Dax and I fishing not too long ago. The victory, the Lord, the Lord smiled when Dax is in that boat and starts singing worship songs. That, that's, that's the victory the Lord's after. It's not about the Supreme Court. Hey, look, the Supreme Court does not have the power to give God the win. He's so much bigger than that, right? They have, they have no authority compared to what he's saying in our lives. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, the church can sound a lot alike to those who have having or had abortions, like somebody saying, you know what, you're wrong, or even, even shaking our fingers to a, 
a liberal community or however you want to name it and saying, you see, we won. You see, we won. It's not time for that. I brought my kids to go see Doctor Strange 2, which is not up to par, sadly enough. We're big Marvel fans. But, but while, we're at the, while we're at the movie theater, the, uh, there's a commercial that comes on. And it was a church bought a commercial and it played on the screens and they actually openly invited any women who have had an abortion, single moms, single dads to come to church and worship with them. And I love that. And he said, we're not pro-life, we're pro-love. Can we, can we be known as a church that's pro-love? Can, can we be known, like, hey, church, can we be, you know what? Hey, if you're watching online or, or you, anybody in this room, if you ever hear this message, I want you to understand there is no standard that disqualifies you from walking in the door. If, you're watch, if you ever watch this, and if, please, if anyone, if you are struggling with the idea of an abortion right now, call our office at 985-510-2400. Call our office. If you've had an abortion, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. If you're a single mom, we have a great children's ministry. You get a break and some Jesus, right? You are welcome in this place. I, I, I want to I double down on what Pastor John was teaching the last few weeks. The gifts are great. They're awesome. But the actual level of maturity of a Christian is measured by their love. You, you will never know how mature of a Christian I am by, by even by my sermons that I preach to you. It, it, it is the love that I have for other people is the only measurement of Christian maturity. Keep that in mind. The gifts are great. First Corinthians 14, that love chapter talks all about it. The only true measurement is our love. Uh, you know, you can hear this message so far and you can think that I'm saying, uh, hey, go, go, go adopt a kid, right? But let me be clear, if it's not a clear yes, it's a definite no, all right? Don't, don't walk down that aisle if you don't know. If, you, if you're not even sure, if you're halfway sure, you're out absolutely not ready. But I'll tell you what we can all do is adopt a single parent family. We can all bless a family that's in their distress, that's a single parent trying to raise kids on their own and be a reflection of Jesus to them. Verse 27, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God, the Father is this, visit orphans and widows in their distress. Visit them. You know, the, the actual translation of the word visits, to visit, to inspect, to bring relief to. to bless them, pray for them, be there for them. Let me jump back to the, to the beginning of the, the, the scriptures I used in James. It says, be quick to hear and slow to speak, verse 19 and 20, for you know my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. You know, Jesus was irresistible, especially to those who are far from him. 
the body of Christ should look the exact same way. We should be irresistible to those who don't know him. You know, I uh, heard, heard Pastor Stovall Weems tell a story. Years ago, he was on a flight and, uh, and the, the plane's like, the plane took off and it's, it's, it hasn't reached level yet or, or whatever to where they, you know, ding, and you can, you're now free to walk about the cabin, you know? And uh, so a guy gets up and goes to the, guy gets up and goes to the bathroom and the stewardess jumps out of her seat and she pulls the seatbelt off. And she starts banging on doors, says, FCC regulations, FCC regulations. And everybody in the plane just kind of looking back what's going on. And the poor guy finally just comes out of the bathroom embarrassed as could possibly be in church if we're not slow to anger, slow to speak and rich in love, we're gonna sound a lot like that, a lot like that stewardess. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, but the Bible says is that the love of Christ that calls us to repentance. It is the love of God that called, look, this isn't just for, I believe God has this word for the world today, not just for this body. I'm not saying this because I don't think we are this way. I'm saying this because this is the church that the Lord has called us to be. Amen? Amen. I, you know, I, the, there's three levels of maturity that I kind of call it, right? The first one's biting the tongue. It is you have now gotten to the place of just shutting your mouth. But the problem is after that, your face needs deliverance, <laughs> right? He's like, hold your face is the second level. And the third one is to speak life. That's ultimately where Christ calls us to be. See somebody, empathize with them, love on them, show the love of Christ to them. And he talks about uh, bridling your tongue. Let's just be clear, like holding our tongue, is, it's a heart issue. It's not a mouth issue, right? Because what's on our heart, what's, what's, on, what's in our heart is on our mind. What's on our mind comes out our mouth, right? So like a lot of the world will teach you cognitive behavior therapy, right? Like count to five. Just curse in your mind. Don't let it come out of your mouth, you know? But the Lord wants to do something so much more significant on the inside of that to where you're not struggling. And look, let me just be clear. Sometimes you just got a Nike, right? You just got to just do it. Like, you know what the right thing is. You don't feel like doing the right thing, but you have to just do the right thing and believe that God's going to move in your heart and begin to have you actually desire the right thing. Look, when... when, when <laughs> Just like Pastor John was talking about, we have a, a spirit, a soul, and a, and a body, right? When, when our spirit comes to life, we still have our, our soul and our body who has to catch up from after all these years of living a certain way to understand what the spirit's now doing on the inside of us. Sometimes it, it takes a little while to get rid of bad habits. I'm gonna come back to that in a little bit. Verse 23 and 24 says, if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. You ever had a word from God that you're like, oh, really? No? Some of y'all need to pray more. He's gonna challenge you. 
It's like, really adopt the kid? Really plant a church in the place? Really close the church? You know, like, come on, man. But, but, but there's, one that I, there's one that I actually argued out loud with him about. I've picked up one hitchhiker in my entire life. And it was only the Lord because I would have kept going. I tried to actually. But it was a lady with a baby walking up the I-55 bridge. I was like, he was like, pick, I had a car seat and everything. He was like, pick him up. I was like, no. He was like, pick him up. I was like, no. He's like, pick him up. I was like, all right. He raised his voice, so I had to pull over. So I pulled over and <laughs> this lady, I put a kid in the car seat and I don't know, she's related to Britney Spears some kind of way. Big surprise there. I don't know. But I think at one point I actually asked her to stop talking. I was like, I'm just being obedient to the Lord, ma'am. I, I dropped her off at a methadone clinic. Just saying. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. Uh, that's somebody recovering from like heroin or something. I dropped her off the class. I was like, I, you, you just said give her a ride, dude. I got her from point A to point B. There are some times that the Lord's gonna ask you to do something that challenges your way of thinking. Sometimes the Lord's gonna do something that's gonna really be a challenge to stretch who you are. I, I guarantee the Lord is going to ask you to do something that you are not comfortable with. Right? Like, let's look at Jonah in the Old Testament, right? He said, go to Nineveh. And he's like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And he's like, you're going to go to Nineveh. He's like, I'm not going to Nineveh. And then he got thrown overboard in a storm and a whale ate him. And then he wound up in Nineveh and he was still mad that he went to Nineveh. Right? Like, like, like the Lord's going to ask you to do something that, that really, uh, it, it can be a battle in your heart. But I guarantee this. Disobedience causes us to miss out on something really important. Uh, let me just be clear about this. There would be no need for sacrifice if there was complete obedience. If Adam and Eve had obeyed, Christ would have never had to sacrifice his life. We, we would never have a sacrifice if we could walk in complete. Imagine what the body of Christ could do. Uh, let me challenge you with this thought. If the entire church looked like the level of commitment or maturity that I have, what would the church look like? That's convicting even for me. And I'm on stage, right? What would the body of Christ look like if, if everybody was at my level of maturity? I do love you all, but I told you I had a challenging word today. And I believe the Lord is really gonna grow us through this. You know, I mentioned earlier about bad habits. Bad habits are really, really, they're hard to break, right? The other day I'm riding in a car. Dax has the craziest questions. He, 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 really, he asked me one time, he's like, uh, when are we going to the moon? Like it's a foregone conclusion. I was like, I don't know, call Elon Musk, you know? But, uh, but the other day, not long ago, he, he riding in a car and he asked me, he says, hey, is, uh, I think there's this story, it's in the Bible, where like God took somebody's brain and like wiped his brain and put it in somebody else's body so he could like start over again. I was like, no son, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> but 
That would never happen. He's like, why? I said, because that's against God's nature. He's like, what does that mean? I said, God loves a redemption story. More than a reset, God loves a redemption story. He loves to take somebody from where they are, where they were, and bring them into his presence and bring them to where they're supposed to be, right? In their purpose, in their calling in life. God loves a redemption story. But I think a lot of us can, a lot of us can probably relate to this scripture in Romans 7. Y'all with me? Yes. All right. For I am doing what I do not understand, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I hate, I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Not that it's a good thing, but has anyone ever felt like this could be my life first at some point? Like, I keep doing the things I don't want to do, right? Like, I want to lose weight, but only at times I'm not eating, you know? <laughs> And, and it's a real thing. And, and, and we, we struggle with, with the idea of sinning, right? But what it's saying is that, is that the struggle that we have isn't just because of sinning, but the struggle that we have is because of the existence of sin in the world. It's, it's bigger than that. It's, it's bigger than a pornography addiction. It, it, it's bigger than a fear. It's bigger than an insecurity. It's much, much bigger than a verb or an action. It's a noun of presence. And the presence of sin in the world is what happens, right? It, it, that, that, it, that we are born in a sinful world and that we are disconnected from God. But don't forget this. When you give your life to Christ, you're now what's called in Christ. Let me explain what that means. Romans 5. Therefore, just as one man sin entered the world, death through sin, through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. The, the, the noun produced the verb. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there was no law. It actually meant that sin was not put on your account. And, and at, at just a glance, you might think, well, that's good, right? Like, because I'm not held accountable for my sin. But what actually happened is, is that when no one was held accountable for sin, sin ruled. Death ruled because it was not put on any account. And that's actually in the Old Testament while they had to make sacrifices because they had to have a temporary accountability for the sin that was in the world. But Jesus came to be the one sacrifice, not just to take care of sinning in the world, but to give an answer for the noun of sin that exists in the world. And look, everybody at some point has thought, I've done too much. There is no sin that is bigger than the noun of existence of sin itself that Christ has paid the price for. <laughs> 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even those who had not sinned in the likeness of offense of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. Adam was the first Adam. Jesus was like the second Adam, if you want to get deep biblical. 15, but the free gift is not like the transgression for if the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. So you think, Adam, you think what Adam did was big? It's saying what Jesus did was even 
bigger than that. It didn't just wipe the slate clean, it released love into the earth. It was so much bigger. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the one hand, judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if the transgression of one, death reigned through one, how much more, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. When, when you give your life to Christ, you are now in Christ. See, before that, you were in Adam. You were born into a, a sin nature. But the moment that you accepted Christ, you accepted a gift that was waiting there for you the whole time. It's the fragrant gift of grace. You know, it's, it's, I love the word where he comes in, he tells it resulting in your justification that you receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Justification means now you are justified. That's the, that's the saving grace, right? There's, there's multiple salvations the Bible talks about as justification, um, sanctification and glorification. Justification is the moment that your spirit comes to life. Uh, sanctification is the moment that your soul begins to be in contact with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and you begin to be a better reflection of him and that's the process that happens from justification until the moment that you die and the moment that you die there's a glorification because the Bible says that you get a new body see that is that is the work of Jesus that was so much bigger than what Adam did it was so much bigger than any sin that exists in the world. He didn't just pay the price for your sins or mine. He paid the price for all of the existence of sin. I, I, I hope you hear that. Like, look, and, and if you're like, hey, look, I don't sin anymore. Like, I'm a perfect reflection of Jesus. Good for you. Take this word and share it with somebody else in a loving way, right? His perfect love for each of us is to give us the gift of his righteousness. His, his right standing with God, he put us in that place. That's a significant thing. It was like we were in Adam and now we stand in the place of Christ. You know, when God looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees Jesus. He sees the, his son because you were in Christ. Perfect timing, I was just about to ask. You know, verse 27 says this, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and Father is to visit orphan and widows in distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. You know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Didn't mean you didn't get dirty. It just meant that Christ cleanses all stains. He cleanses souls of anything and everything. Let me, let me put it like this. There's a story in the New Testament of the woman caught in the act of adultery. And they bring her out in the middle of town and all of the men begin to pick up rocks and they're gonna 
They're going to stone her to death. And Jesus kneels down and begins to write in the sand. And as he's writing in the sand, all of the, the men begin to drop their rocks and leave. He looks at the woman and he says, where are your accusers? And, and he finishes it up with saying, go and sin no more. This is what Jesus did. He set her free of the penalty of sin when he asked her, where are your accusers? And she realized she wasn't gonna die in that moment. He set her free of the presence of sin when she laid at his feet. And he set her free of the power of sin when he said, go and sin no more. See, that's what Jesus does. He gives complete freedom. And another word on a, a Wednesday night, you should come to Wednesday nights. They're so awesome. Um, see, the baby even agrees. But the Lord said, I want the church to fully know Jesus as husband and God as father. And really what that means. And he began to remind me of the, the day I met my wife. I fell in love with her. Oh. And I said, you know, I want to use my life to elevate her in every way I possibly can. And then I gave her my name. That's what Christ has done for all of us. The Bible says that he is the, he is the groom and he is coming for his bride that is the church. He, he gave you his name. You're a Christian. You know, they're, they're, uh, one of the, one of the uh, Ten Commandments is don't take the Lord's name in vain. I, I always used to think that was like, don't cuss when I was growing up. But that actually means is don't call yourself a Christian and not act like one. So my wife changed her name to Peppo. There was a life that came with it. There was a, an inheritance. There was love that was shared. There was, there was a change that happened. Christ comes, he sets us free of the penalty, presence, and power of sin, and he changes us. That's Jesus' husband, but God is father. Remember the day I got Dax. Three years it took to finish the adoption. Now, I'm not the perfect husband or father, please. Like just the Lord has had me work through this in order to share it with you. But I remember there's three years, man, a prodigal son story. Whew, that just spoke to me so strong just because at any moment they could have came and took my son away. But, but there was a day that we walked in Judge Snowdy's courtroom and there's a piece of paper that was put down that not only changed his name, but with a stroke of the pen, all former authority over his life was wiped away. Meaning the people who had reigned over him before now had no authority. That's what God as Father has done for us. 
gave you a new name. Sin has no authority over your life. Sin is not your master. Because you've been adopted. Romans 8.15 says this. If you have not received the spirit of slavery, meaning being in bondage of being in Adam, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, which we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. You know, you, you, you can hear this and, and you can be like, yeah, yeah, all that happened, but I still got issues. Here's the thing. We got Dax from a, from a tough situation. Actually, they didn't think he was gonna survive when he was taken into foster care. And because uh, he was so mal- malnourished. And uh, when we first got him, I, I've never seen a two-year-old that could war over food. Like he will bite you, kick you. Like he fights you like a man if he saw food. And he'd actually hide food in his mouth because in his mind, he's still thinking of his former way of life and thinking that he doesn't know when his next meal is gonna come. It was months that we had to feed him all day long and then we would just put food at the table and he'd sit down for a little bit and eat and it, it, it took months. Some, for some of us, it takes years of, of, of training, of, of untraining to begin to realize like that's not my life anymore. You are adopted. Sin has no power over you because I'm a father. Don't think like that anymore. When you you hit temptation, you're like, sin is not my master. Abba, Father, I need your grace. The Bible says that he will always give you a way out. Just say, Abba, Father, I need you right now. And just see if he doesn't answer the call. Because he's your father who loves nothing more than a good redemption story. And he has your naming rights. He has all authority over you. I'm gonna pray and close this out right here, but I wanna, I, I, we're gonna have our prayer team come up. I think I'm doing communion in the back. If you're dealing with a sin issue, can, can, church, can we do this for a moment? Can we, can we give a moment of just godly grace? If somebody comes up for prayer, don't ask any questions. Just give them, give them some space for a moment, okay? But if you're dealing with a sin issue, we want to pray for you. Our prayer team wants to pray for you so much. You, know, you could say, I just have a sin issue. Let us lay hands on you and see the power of God break a stronghold in your life. Lord, we thank you. Abba, Father. We are blessed by you. We are loved by you. Lord, you adopted us. You set us free. Jesus, you sacrificed everything to elevate our lives and you gave us your name. 
We thank you for it. Jesus, I thank you that you broke the power of sin in our lives. Help us to never go back. Lord God, that that we walk in the authority that you've given us and the freedom that you have for us. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity today, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would plant this seed firmly in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Can we just give a hand to those hearts? Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.